You're listening to the 411 on Mousecapades Radio. It's my station. The following is an original production of the Mousecapades Radio Network. Happy Friday, Mousecapades listeners. This is Vicki, and I'm here with Brad. We hope that you're all staying safe, happy, and healthy. This is episode 705, and you're listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. The Mousecapades podcast is a part of the Your Story Travel Company. If you're looking to book a trip, Vicki would be glad to help you out and plan it to make sense of it all. Just text her at 636-395-0544, or you can email her at Vicki, V-I-C-K-I-E, dot black, like the color, at yourstorytravel.com. I'm very happy to help you design a magical location tailored for you and your family's needs. A small refundable deposit of $200 that all it takes to hold a resort and ticket package reservation. So contact me today. Hey Vic, so I came up with today's talking points for the show. Uh, there's been a lot of talk recently about Bob Chapek and his handling of Disney since he took the reins from Iger. And so I thought it'd be good to kind of pause for a little bit and do a little reflection. We're going to look at, there was an all company memo that Chapek sent out on January 10th of this year. It went to everyone and it kind of gives the vision that he has for the next foreseeable future and beyond. And so we'll talk about that. And then we're also gonna talk about the annual shareholders meeting, which actually just wrapped up last week and so we're gonna recap that. Plus, we're gonna to try to delve into some of the, the nuggets that we can glean from that. The, the people who watch that and who follow the annual shareholders meeting, they are always looking for little bits and you know little hints that they announce in the shareholders meeting about some things that might be in the works. And they, they become really good at extracting that from the, the shareholders meeting. So we'll talk through all that as well, but I thought we needed to just talk about it since it's kind of the elephant in the room recently, Chapek and his handling of Disney. So what I thought we would do, Vic, I thought I would just have you read, basically just read the memo that he sent out. Let's just read it. And so the listeners can hear it. And this is straight from Chapek to everyone. So I'm gonna just let you read it, Vic, and then we'll see and debrief afterwards about what you think some of that means and also about what I thought some of it means. And we'll see if we have differing opinions about that. So here's the message that Bob Chapek wrote to the Disney cast members and employees. As we begin the new year, I want to share our mission and the strategic pillars that will be a key to our success. But first, I wanna start 2022 on a note of gratitude for all of you, your talent, dedication, and optimism during the most disruptive time in our company's history. Thanks to you, we are weathering the pandemic and emerging stronger than ever. Over the last two years, we continue to tell the world's best stories, reorganized and accelerated our transformation to better serve audiences and guests. We look inward during a time of social disruption, saw how much was left to do and made significant change. And of course, we underwent a leadership change and I am enormously grateful for the tremendous foundation Bob Iger left us. You achieve those things during a once in a century pandemic. And I want to acknowledge those whose roles require them to be in the office or one of our parks, as well as those working from home while managing at-home learning and gaps in childcare. 
I also appreciate your patience as we begin reopening our offices. Our long-term goal is to provide greater flexibility and your leaders will be in touch as plans evolve. It's ironic that this disruption is happening as we prepare to celebrate our company's 100th anniversary. For nearly a century, we have defined and redefined entertainment, created countless lifelong memories, and delighted fans and families around the world. It's a legacy that is simply unrivaled and a welcome responsibility for us to build upon. And so I believe our mission for this year is clear, set the stage for our second century and ensure Disney's next 100 years are as successful as our first. To do that, we will focus on three pillars. First, storytelling excellence. What makes Disney so unique is that the stories we tell mean something to people. They inspire, give hope, bring us together, illuminate the world around us and create memories. That is Disney's magic. And we must continue to set the creative bar higher and higher. To that end, and in addition to all my other creative meetings, I'm establishing a new standing monthly meeting with our senior creative leaders to discuss the opportunities we face as a storytelling enterprise. This will encourage collaboration, sharing of best practices, and stimulate cross-studio ideation. Second, innovation. Since Steamboat Willie, we've been the world's foremost innovative storytellers. That must continue as technology evolves, giving our creative teams new canvases like the metaverse on which to paint. We should be especially innovative as we seek to bring stories to life in new ways, particularly if they enhance what many call our franchise ecosystem, which is one of the things that sets us apart. And third, relentless focus on our audience. We are a big company with many constituents and stakeholders, all of whom have a place in our decision-making. But at the end of the day, our most important guide, our North Star, is the consumer. Right now, their behavior tells us in our industry that the way they want to experience entertainment is changing, and changing fast thanks to technology and the pandemic. We must evolve with our audience, not work against them, and so we will put them at the center of every decision that we make. When you look at the entertainment landscape, I believe Disney stands alone. We have the world's most creative storytelling engine along with the world's most beloved brands and franchises, which we can bring to life in ways no one else can. We have a portfolio of distribution platforms across the world, including powerful streaming services with the ability to reach audiences anywhere, anytime. We have the number one news organization and the most trusted brand in sports. We bring people together and make magical memories that last a lifetime at our parks and on our cruise ships. We have a unique ability to impact culture and connect with people on a deeply personal level. And we have you, the best team in the business. I couldn't think of a better combination and I could not be more optimistic about our future. I look forward to setting the stage for our next century with all of you and to making the unique brand of magic that only Disney can, Bob. So there's lots to unpack here. We're gonna go over some comments that people made about this speech that I pulled from the forums. And I also have my own opinions about this too. Um, Vic, I don't know if you caught in there, but you notice he said he made mention of the franchise ecosystem. Yes. A lot of people in the forums think that that means, oh, we're just gonna now be in an endless loop of reboots of old stuff. And so I can't say that I disagree. I think that's a lot of what he means when he says the franchise, meaning the stuff that's already been done, they're just gonna do it in a different way or maybe do live action or, you know, and some of the things we'll talk about from the shareholders meeting kind of confirm that about the whole live action, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. The other thing I thought was interesting was, 
you know, he said, oh, the consumer demands of what they want are changing. Well, I would agree, Mr. Mr. Chapik, they are. They don't want your they don't want your price hikes. They don't want your skyrocketing, you know, pad my pocket kind of mentality. You're right, they don't. That's not what he means, but that's how I took that sentence. Like, yeah, I'm one of those consumers and I don't want to see this continue the way that you've taken it. Right. Yeah. So that was part of the part I was trying not to choke when I was reading because that's what exactly what I was thinking. Our mindset's changing. Not really. Our mindset changed because of what you have done to a company that Walt made a family-friendly vacation has now become a place where you, in some cases, pour your life savings so that you can take your child to have a good time. And that is not at all what Disney was created for or thought about, you know, when Walt envisioned all this. Not at all. I'm sure, I know people say you turn over in your grave. If that's the truth, I'm sure he's rolling in his grave right now, wishing that he could change what had happened. Because I would say before the pandemic, it wasn't, I mean, prices were higher, Brad, you know that they've gone up, but everything's gone up in the world. Gas, food, everything. But I just think he's taking it to the extreme. And I also feel like whether or not he said this or not, I feel like he's trying to make up for the pandemic. Well, guess what? Here's the deal, Bob Chapik. Everybody was hit by the pandemic. It wasn't anybody's fault that the pandemic happened or we're not gonna place blame on people. So you can't charge the people to try to make up for money that was lost in that time. That's just not right. Yeah, and I like how, you know, he calls these these three things that he talked about are the three pillars. So he says that Disney is going to build from going forward. And the third one was relentless focus on the audience. And I like how in that last sentence, in that point, he's like, and so we will put them at the center of every decision we make, meaning the audience. Well, I don't think you've done that because you've heard many, many people give you feedback that they don't like how you're doing this. They don't like the way, the direction you're taking it. Your own board did a no confidence vote of you, dude. So I don't know what what it's not, what's not getting through to you, but it's not, it's not sinking in. Isn't that kind of like, I don't know, Brad, I think we've talked about this before, where your business, we're education, but still they say that they include you in decision-making processes when in fact that's really a check the box kind of thing. So you can say that you listened, it doesn't mean that you were included on it. It's a complete check the box thing. Yeah. We sent out a survey. Oh, look at our survey results. Oh yeah, but guess what? The people who do surveys are generally the people, you know, it's not going, the surveys are not going to capture the people who are so disengaged and so against you at this point that they don't even spend time doing the survey. That's the people you're not getting in the survey. People who think something comes of surveys and who do them are probably people who are middle of the road kind of people. They're probably not really, really angry. They may not be super excited over the top for what you're doing, but they're just middle of the road. So obviously your ratings are gonna be right in the middle or, or slightly positive. But I think it's kind of dangerous to put all your eggs in that basket and think, oh, well, the survey said this. Well, the survey doesn't always say what's really going on on the ground and what people really think. Well, not even, I'm just saying, 
there was a mindset before, like a fixed mindset. They knew what they wanted. They put out the survey and act like it was voted on just so they could check the box and say they did. Which is the same thing with him. There is nobody that I know that's saying, please raise the food prices this much. Please make the food sizes smaller, even though you're raising the prices. Which, which that is the latest tactic. I think you guys touched on it in the last episode or two. And that's what I'm saying. These are not things that are being asked for by the public. Yeah, I don't think people are asking for small, smaller portion sizes. Now, the health nuts may be asking for smaller portion sizes, but that's, that's from the health perspective. Generally, I think if you're gonna do that, I think you should reduce the price as well to align with that, but that's not what they're doing. They're just making it smaller portion sizes and keeping the price the same or higher. Right. And so, like Stephanie said, some of us have learned how to um, to be healthier, to split a meal. I mean, Kaylee and I have been doing that quite a bit lately, splitting a meal there because it's really enough food for us. And then we're not paying double the price and then feeling guilty about not eating all the food and either one, throwing it away or two, carrying around to eat later. Right. Uh, so I don't know. It's just ugh, so unnerving. Yes. And back up on his first point, his first pillar, storytelling excellence. I like how he mentions, oh, we're going to start this new monthly creative meeting with all of my senior creative leaders to discuss the opportunities for new storytelling and the sharing of best practices and cross studio ideation. So was that not happening before now? That's what I th I'm like, that's what struck me is like, shouldn't that have already been happening? And if it wasn't, why wasn't it? Yeah, I'm confused about that too. I mean, is he meaning like, I mean, I read that I, I immediately thought, okay, or in my head, I'm thinking, or you're saying Disney versus Pixar. Is that the kind of thing he's talking about that's now gonna work? more closely together, whereas before they were kind of, I do agree they were separate studios, but at the higher levels of leadership, I thought they would still be, I thought the executives of each would still be meeting. I, I don't know. So I do think that was an interesting statement as well, because for us, we have weekly meetings. You have daily recap meetings for your business. In a big corporation like Disney, you would think that they'd need at least weekly, if not daily, check-ins. And your meetings aren't long in the morning, but you have a check-in in the morning. Your teams, I feel like, I hope that's what's going on, but based on what he's saying, it's like he's creating this new thing, which I have a hard time believing. Yeah, I don't know really what to think of that. I mean, I, I don't know. I felt that like this whole memo was just trying to, to paint everything in a positive light, even though it's not as positive I mean, of course, that's his job, but it's to make it as positive as he can be, but. Well, that's what we're doing now with everything. Oh yeah. Um, just paint over it, make it look prettier than it is. Yeah. And then when something big happens, then everybody's shocked by it. When in fact, many of us knew what was going on behind the scenes, but our mouths were closed because we have to keep ourselves safe and keep our jobs. Exactly, because at the end of the day, leadership doesn't want to hear your honest feedback. People might not understand that. They, they don't want to hear your honest feedback. What they want to hear is their opinions being echoed back to them. That's what they want, really, when it comes down to it. But we lost all that when social media came into being. Yeah, like I say, social media, gonna be the death of all of us eventually. I mean, it has its great points. Like for instance, 
we're able to Zoom and then we can um, talk to people far away and we can have meetings and that kept us safe during the pandemic. That was something good that came out of there, but this constant digging up of things about people and about businesses and just, and just in general, negativity that it's causing and how it's tearing apart our nation, it's crazy. I did want to talk about that. So that was the memo. That was early January of this year, a couple months ago. So let's fast forward to just last week where they have the annual shareholders meeting. So we're going to talk through some of these and the backdrop of this is going to be that memo I just read. Just keep that in your head, the memo we just talked about. Okay. And as we talk through some of this. And so I'm going to hit the high points and then we'll talk about it afterwards, Vic. Okay. So this was last, it was Wednesday, March 9th when the shareholders meeting was held and there were lots of interesting tidbits. So there's people who follow these meetings a lot and they look for certain keywords to come out of these shareholder meetings to know, oh, well, they might be leaning towards doing this or doing that. So sometimes it's not explicitly stated what they're gonna do or planning to do, but the insiders kind of know how to read between the lines. So that's kind of what we're gonna do here. And so there were some new trailers and teases revealed during the meeting. So let's just get into the recap. All right, first of all, they gave a sneak peek and a first look at Disney's upcoming, it's all new, it's a live action Pinocchio. Have you heard of this, Vic? Did you know this was coming? I didn't until you just shared it with me on the screen. Okay, I wanted to keep this from you until this, until we did this actual call, because I didn't want you to have a heads up. I wanted okay. to get your reaction. And so that will premiere exclusively on Disney Plus this September. It's interesting, the director is gonna be Robert Zemeckis, and the person who plays Geppetto is gonna be Tom Hanks. That's who I thought it was. Which I thought was interesting. They're bringing in the big guns. So they're definitely going for the top stars to try to, I guess, bring in a lot of viewers. And so, you know, he's the woodcarver. But I just thought this was interesting. And remember I said, keep that memo as the backdrop for when we're talking about this. Right. Th this is one of those that's a franchise ecosystem. Pinocchio, it was an animated feature back in the day. Well, now we're just gonna basically reboot it and it's gonna be live action. This is an example of, of a kind of a reboot live action. So that was the one thing that was revealed in the shareholder meeting. So again, that confirms the whole franchise theory. That is a franchise thing. And so they're continuing it. Pinocchio. The next one, and this was probably the most exciting thing to come out for those who are so inclined towards these things, was the first trailer for the very highly anticipated Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And that's gonna come to Disney Plus. And so it's gonna feature Obi-Wan played by Ewan McGregor and it's gonna happen 10 years after the dramatic events of Star Wars Revenge of the Sith. So I'm sure people were very excited about this, the Star Wars fandom, I'm sure. And I know Joey, what hit, Joey and Sarah talked about it quite a bit a few weeks ago when we were doing rumors and news, but they were excited about this series. Yeah, again, that's another franchise thing. It's already established, we're just adding to it, you know. It's not new and creative. It's not an original brand new thing, correct. And so next up on the docket that they talked about was the Premier Pass. I thought this was interesting. He was asked about the former Premier Pass, which provides access to both Disneyland Resort and Walt Disney World. And the pass itself actually was a result of a previous question asked by the same shareholder 
who asked it in this meeting, but that was retired during the COVID-19 pandemic. And Chapik said that he's gonna check on bringing it back. So I don't know if it really will come back. Is he checking the box or just saying that to shut them up for the time being? Exactly. Because I kind of feel like he's gonna try to, well, we know this so far, he's all about the money, whether he wants to be called that or not, uh, he's all about the money. I think he would want us to have to buy a pass in both places. Yeah. I think so too. I think that's another example of exactly what you said. Yeah, I'll check into it knowing that he's, that's probably not gonna come back. I mean, honestly, again, that's what we hear in our own jobs of all kinds of jobs, both business and education. I'll check on that. And 95% of the time, you never hear a thing back or you have to ask again. Yeah, okay. Next up, Mary Poppins and the Avengers Quinjet. So Mary Poppins, was a planned attraction at Epcot. Correct. And the Avengers Quinjet is something that was planned for Disneyland. Right. Chapek was actually asked about his quietness about those projects, meaning that Disney hasn't really commented on them. And he's like, uh, he kind of threw out the old, oh, we got to be careful with the cash flow. Mind you, let's check Chapek's uh, salary for last year. I don't think you have to be careful with the cash flow, Mr. Paycheck. Oh, Mr. Chapek. I think you're just, again, you're squeezing the penny for everything you can get out of it. Uh, but that's his official answer. They got to be careful with cash flow heavy projects due to the pandemic, which I guess these projects are. That's all I can take from that. And they actually say they shelved the Mary Poppins attraction at Epcot. And so I feel like it's not gonna happen now. I don't know that for sure. Well, because Chapek said he was really excited about the Mary Poppins project, but that both that and the Avengers, they're both in a holding pattern right now, I guess, until they decide to finish them, pursue them, or completely squash them. So we have talked about this on Wednesday's news. If you listen to the rumors and news and they got rid of the Epcot experience, that is one of the things that they got rid of because if it's not there for people to visually see that it's not coming to fruition, that's my opinion, of course. Um, there were, wasn't a good way without recutting the whole thing to take out some of the stuff that was listed in there. So now they're just getting rid of it all together. So if they get rid of it, does that mean that the public won't ask if the space, if Spaceship Earth is going to get a refurb or if Mary Poppins is going to happen? And so um, we talked about that on Wednesday show. So hopefully maybe we came up with some ideas, but I just think out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. If if no one's hearing about it, he has new people. Some people have decided that they're not going to vacation at Disney for a while. That's uh, a lot of Facebook uh, groups. If you get on and read, some of them are saying, I'll come back in a couple years after the 50th is over. Maybe this will die down and go back to what it should be. But I'm not sure that's the way to go either, because as long as they're making money, they don't care. Right. Very interesting. So as we all know, Encanto is Disney's latest rage. It's a highly popular film, but it was interesting to note that Chapek in the meeting referred to Encanto as Disney's newest franchise. And that's important. That's an example of you don't use the word franchise unless you have something planned, like a series, like a part two or something in the works for a another one of them so the insiders picked up on that he meant he referred to it as the disney's newest franchise so there could be more to come from the family madrigal which based on the popularity i think they're just seeing dollar signs 
Well, if you remember right, and, and you'd have to think back because I know you edit all the shows, so they all start to run together. But that was one of the things I believe we talked about a couple weeks ago. Lynn Manuel Miranda had envisioned a ride for this movie. And so when he talked to Bob Chapik in that in his response was something like, We might see a ride, we might see another movie, we might see a series. So you're absolutely correct. But here's the theme I'm seeing. It seems that when it comes to these franchises and like things that could be rides or could be movies, it seems like the movies are much more apt to happen than a ride being created for said movie. Just like the Mary Poppins, like they're, they're already talking about shelving that. It seems like when it comes to rides in the park or attractions in the park based on those things, those seem to get really oftentimes shelved or delayed or deferred. So I don't know if it's because there's less focus on the parks versus the Disney movie and entertainment segment. I don't know. I mean, I know the parks are entertainment, but I'm saying it's a specific segment of the entertainment, whereas TV and Disney Plus is different. Well, that's always been his thing. So I just think, honestly, if the parks close, I don't think he'd be sad about it. I don't think he has an investment into it like Bob Iger did. I think he grew up with it. Um, people knew him from the very beginning where he started a low man on the totem pole, and that's not the case with the, him at all. Yeah, and continuing on, back to the memo. Remember, he said the multiverse opens up a plethora of possibilities. Right. And so they talked about this, Dr. Strange, in the Multiverse of Madness, in the shareholders meeting. Um, Chapek said that it connects pieces of the MCU in unexpected ways, which Joey and I talk about this a lot. Like it's, Dr. Strange is so good at connecting disparate pieces that you didn't think were connected, but they try to show you is a connection. Well, there are boundless ways they could just continue to do this right? if they want to. So that's another thing I think they're just going to keep milking it, keep milking it as long as they can with all these things that just keep coming out that like they may not even have to be connected on the surface, but then you just come out with a new multiverse movie that explains, oh, they are connected, you know? It's very weird. And he did mention some upcoming Marvel shows coming to Disney Plus, like Moon Knight, uh, Ms. Marvel, and She-Hulk. So those are all coming to Marvel on Disney Plus. And that's all, I'm assuming, in the MCU, I assume. Because for those who don't know, just because it's Marvel doesn't mean it's necessarily MCU, Marvel right. Cinematic Universe. There is a distinction. The next item I thought was interesting. So all board members were reelected. So all the board was reelected with at least 94% of the vote, including Chapek. And that is despite the grassroots efforts from some investors to vote against him. I know. That is very, very surprising. Some people were trying to get that vote so that it would be enough to at least call into question his leadership. But no such thing. He was basically reelected with flying colors. But he's still not the president. He still answers to the board, so. He doesn't have the final say. No, it's got a major decision still have to go through the entire board, which is good. Final item that they talked about in the shareholder meeting, Vic, was pay equity disclosure. So Disney would argue that they already do this. They already, you know, strive to pay equal pay, regardless of race, religion, color, whatever. They argue that they already do that. 
However, I think some people wanted that to be more transparent, which is really what this does. So they did have a vote on it. Uh, the proposal was uh, the median and adjusted pay gaps need to be brought more in alignment, which again, Disney say they already do, but what this vote did by passing it, it passed with 59% of the vote, which is you know actually pretty low, but it still passed. Yeah, it is. It just means that that'll give greater transparency on pay data across those race and gender categories. And honestly, I feel like that should be uh, something that's viewable by the public. Yeah, I mean, well, especially to shareholders, yeah. This is the kind of stuff that needs to be put out. I realize it's not paid in taxes, but it is supported by people coming to the parks and they wanna know that everybody's being paid appropriately. You don't wanna give a first year person something as much as somebody that's been working there for 45 years. And I would hope that that's not the case. And you don't wanna pay an elderly person less money than somebody that's younger because you feel like they can do a better job. As long as they're doing the job that you've hired them for, it should not matter. So what this does, it just brings greater transparency to that fact. Good, well, that's what I think needed to be done for sure. Which I think is not a bad thing, correct. So that's kind of it for today, Vic. I just kind of wanted to walk through those. It's very interesting tidbits. It kind of lays out the, you know, his memo in January laid out the vision. And then the shareholder meeting kind of confirms some of those different points in various ways. It's definitely going to be interesting. Yes. Well, I really appreciate you tuning in today, listeners, and joining us. If you're interested in being a guest on our show or you have a question or a comment, you can email us at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 636-395-0544. If you would like to book a trip or just want a free quote, you can text Vicki at 636-395-0544, or you can email her at Vicki, V-I-C-K-I-E dot black, like the color, at yourstorytravel.com. And just a reminder that it only takes a $200 deposit to hold your resort and ticket package reservation. Be sure to listen to Wednesday's show as we bring you all the latest rumors and news and chat with the gang. And as always, thank you for listening to the number one podcast that entertains the space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. We very much appreciate you tuning in, listening, and subscribing to our craziness from week to week. Well, I think it's about that time. Disney love. Just keep swimming. Have a magical day, my friends.